Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be listening in this big wide world of ours, and welcome once again to In Transition the program that examines the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke, and this week we talk content marketing and journalism education. But before we get into that, as is our practice here at In Transition, we like to define just precisely what content marketing is. And what I've done in terms of the public sector definition, as many of you know, is to adapt the Content Marketing Institute's definition, and it is... Content marketing is a strategic and measurable business process that relies on the curation, creation, and distribution of valuable, relevant, and consistent content to engage and inform a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving a desired citizen or stakeholder action. Well, our guest this week is Dr. Carolyn Fisher, the Assistant Professor in Journalism at the University of Canberra. But before we come to Caroline, I do have a story to tell. Caroline is an old friend of mine, a colleague from the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and is now an academic. Anyway, about 14, 15 months ago, maybe a bit longer now, uh, a colleague of hers, uh, Dr. Glenn Fuller and Caroline, came to the office and they were concerned about the fact that there were not as many jobs in traditional media as there used to be, and they were producing lots of phenomenally talented and clever graduates, but they were worried about just exactly where they were going to get jobs. And they were intrigued by this thing called content marketing. They wanted to know a little bit more about it. Anyway, over the weeks that followed, we had back and forth discussions about content marketing and my firm belief that really good content marketing lies in great journalism practice and great journalism skills. Because if you can be a great journalist, you can tell great stories, you've got integrity, you've got ethics, and that's what public sector organisations need to do in order to connect to citizens. So anyway, we went back and forward over a while and Glenn and Carolyn got really excited about the whole prospect. And anyway, they did the heavy lifting, went back to the university, argued the toss back at the university, back and forth with the academic boards, with uh, other, other schools and everybody else. And anyway... One of my big highlights last year of 2015 was when I was at Content Marketing World and at the morning of day two, my good friend Joe Poluzzi, the founder and CEO of the Content Marketing Institute, stood up in front of three and a half thousand content marketers from 64 different countries and announced that the University of Canberra had announced the world's first Bachelor of Journalism majoring in content marketing. It was a world first. It was a great moment. It was certainly a great moment for me because I was very proud of the accomplishments of my friends at the university. And Caroline, how does that feel again (laughs) hearing this notion of world first? Um, well, we joke about saying it's either it either means we're very clever or that we're very stupid. Um, going first um, can be a bit scary. It's also very exciting. I, look, I actually think it's um, I'm confident it's the degree for the times, uh, given the employment market. Um, I think that 
the evidence is out there. Certainly, um, well, in Australia, it's being you know mirrored in other parts of the world, where jobs in traditional news media organisations are absolutely declining, and the growth in jobs is in in smaller niche um, organisations, sometimes with fewer than two employees, mm. um, little startups, etc. And obviously, some of those jobs are in content marketing, and um, fewer and fewer of those jobs are in traditional news media. Yeah. But it has flowed from the fact that technology has democratised the uh, factors of media production and distribution and what used to be the monopoly of the traditional media players is now in the gift of every brand, every government agency, every not-for-profit, every non-government organisation. The masses have now become the media. So we really need to start to rethink how it is that we produce people with the right skills to be able to tell the stories of those organisations, correct? Absolutely. And look, at an ethical level, as, a, as an educator, I actually thought I was being dishonest to my students. If I stood there in my lectures and promised them that, they, that I was preparing them for a job in the traditional news media. Yeah. It just, I just thought that was dishonest. Yeah, well, it's true because yeah, those jobs aren't there. No, that's right. Yeah. Some of them will end up there because there will always be some jobs in the traditional news media, but that's mm. not where the majority, in fact, of them will go. The other thing that's interesting about the students is that they, they know, whether they want to be traditional journalists or not, they know that those core journalism skills of storytelling, content creation, through mm. video, audio, text, photo, whatever it may graphics. be. Graphics. that's right. Um, that they are core skills that they need in almost any role they, they choose to go into, particularly any communications role, whatever that may be. Um, that these core journalistic skills are what they need. So l lots of the students take journalism subjects uh, because they're savvy to that. They yeah. just know They just know that it's bread and butter now. Yeah. But let's go to the, that sort of difficult issue of the traditional mm. role of journalism um, and really the, the powerful attachment many people, particularly in the academic community mm. around mm. journalism, have to this notion of... You know, they're, they're the skills that we need to speak mm. truth to power and they shouldn't be corrupted by being distributed to government agencies and other people so as that they can do, you know, do what we do. You know, they're taking our place and they shouldn't and it should be just a, you know, you know, it's almost black and white. They see it in a very black and white way. What's your view on that and what has the reaction been <laughs> to the move by the University of Canberra to actually go down this path? Okay. Look, absolutely this whole... Um this very black and white division between journalism and other form of communication, PR, content marketing. It, it, it's good that you raise this. I actually gave, uh, I chaired a panel at a recent uh, journalism uh, conference for journalism educators in Australia, our annual conference, and the panel was entitled uh, Brand Journalism Friend or Foe. And they asked me to be on it because of the development of this... Um, World's first degree. World's first degree. That's right, journalism <laughs> content marketing degree. Don't worry, everyone. We're going to keep reminding <laughs> you of it. Um, and to be honest, when I was asked to be on it, I, 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 I was... I was annoyed by the title, journalism yeah, okay. friend or foe, just yeah. the very black and whiteness of it. Yeah. Okay? Um, now... <laughs> I've got a bit of background here. The short answer is, and the short answer I gave in my speech was, well, brand journalism is neither friend nor foe. Can be both, can be neither, can be either. Okay, it's it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. Okay, it's not the job. <laughs> I like that. It's hell itself that isn't, you know, brand journalism isn't in itself inherently unethical. No. Journalism in itself is not inherently ethical. There is no moral high ground here. All jobs can be done ethically. 
Um, okay, and as an educator, I see it as my primary job mm. is to produce ethical journalism practitioners who then, as adults, choose to apply their skills in whichever communications role. Okay, I've digressed slightly. No, no, but, um, but I like that point. Let, let's stay on that point for a moment, though. But this notion of every job in communications can be done ethically. Of course. As opposed to we're journalists, so we're the ethical ones. Absolutely. Um, and we've seen many instances, <laughs> phone hacking scandals. Oh, well, actually, every day of the week you can open up the paper and see, you know, yeah. pretty average sort of yeah. ethical treatments of stories. Yeah. But... Why is it that the academics still feel that, well, hang on, and, and this is not just in Australia, this is globally. I think that there mm, seems to be absolutely. this sense of, you know, who are these content marketing people and what rights do they have to use the skills and the practices that we've developed over the last, you know, however many hundred years? Look, I mean, there's, I think there are some issues that are particular to content marketing slash branded journalism, and part of this is a definitional issue. Yeah. So I think when you think about content marketing, branded journalism, native advertising, all these custom publishing, all of yeah. these things, they all get sort of blended into one. But we have our definition for yes. content marketing. So Correct. we're really, you know, it's a business process. But anyway, let's move on. No, that's fine. But because of that... Um, there's obviously extremes, and it's again, it's this black and white characterisation, and uh, you know, there's there's grey, and the world is grey effectively, and there's examples of um, content marketing uh, where people have, uh, well, the journalists employed in those organisations have less in editorial independence. Sure. Yeah, and there's uh, organisations that promote editorial independence. That's part of their that's their shtick. That's part of their brand and their credibility. Yep. So somewhere there's a spectrum, mm. I guess, of advocacy in there mm -hmm. um, amongst organisations, um, and I guess the challenge for the journalism educator and for me as a journalism educator is to educate myself about who is out there, yep. who are the employers, yep. so that I can um, uh, direct my graduates. Uh, towards those organisations that are going to promote the greatest editorial independence, but you it's know, interesting so that though, they can work. But, but going, sorry, just yeah. so, sorry to interrupt there. Yeah. But interesting in your research and some yeah. of it of yeah. which I've read, you are saying that a lot of those opportunities are in smaller organisations. Yeah. It's not just big no. public sector, big brands, no. you know, big NGOs. It, it's in smaller places. Yeah, well, that's the graduate. They've done quite a bit of research on graduate employment um, out of uh, communications degrees and things like that, and journalism okay. degrees. And uh, they call uh, some of it's called. There's a term that they use here in Australia. I don't know if it's used globally, but called embedded creatives. There's all sorts of jobs that are found yeah. within all of these organisations now that have comms functions, effectively. Yeah. Um, and where they're creating content and all the rest of it. And so our graduates, you know, work their way, you know, again, taking those very transferable core foundational journalistic skills of storytelling, researching, etc., um, and take them into other comms roles. But I think you were asking me before, I mean, it, this it, it's not just this, the, the kind of, you know, the the stigma perhaps you know around content marketing it's not just about content marketing it's that content marketing is linked to this long tradition of PR related roles okay to the press agentry you know from World War One onwards where you know the emergence of this 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 person you know uh, this intermediary who would interpret and, and massage the message etc and and you know the development of spin through the eighties etc so this long again continuum of this and antithetical relationship between journalism and public relations, okay? Yes. And so content marketing kind of is coming in as, as the latest iteration of that. Yes. Okay? But the, the, the difficulty with that is that unlike sort of traditional straight PR, 
I guess it was much clearer about what was public relations and what wasn't. Yeah. And the problem with these new iterations around native advertising, you know, custom publishing, content marketing, yep. you know, brand journalism, is of course that that it does look like genuine editorial. That is where the credibility is, and so it's part of the angst, you know, from journalism practitioners. Um, and ed- academics, etc., and from um, you know journalism unions and all those uh, all those bodies representing the interests of journalism, is that 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 then practitioners are using you know practicing journalism, however, to benefit a brand, and that therefore that challenges the core uh, ideal of independence mm. in journalism. Sure. And so, is there is that misleading? You know, that that there's this level of of bluffing the public, sure, you know, and that's yeah. that's that's where the tension is. Yeah, you know, and and how I understand it, it's a re- it's a genuine tension. You yeah, know, there's yeah. no. I know, get it. I get it. And you know, and I think you know, and for brands to 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 benefit off, yeah, journalistic credibility and go ha ha, but we're still promoting our brand. Yeah. However, is it ha ha ha, or is it a genuine commitment to 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 educate to vary you know to Correct. varying voices and balance and editorial integrity? Again, that'll vary from company to company. Yeah. And you know, that's where. As educators, we've got to be educated about who's out there, sure. and our students have to do their I, research. I, you know, my my sense of it is is that increasingly in the age of transparency, that you really this notion of spin and fluff, and mm. you know, people are too smart. You know, people are better educated than they've ever been. They carry supercomputers around in their pocket. They've got access to the world's information through those supercomputers. They can smell if something isn't right. And I think brands, government agencies, not-for-profits, NGOs, if you're trying to, you know, retail a line to somebody in, that is just self-interested, I don't know, I, I, I just think that'll be very unsuccessful very quickly. So I'm, I, I think there's a real risk that we'll start to, you know, people will say, oh, this is great, but we'll apply, you know, a mindset from the 1990s and think that we're still in the 1990s with some content marketing. And I think that's right because it is over the top and it's useless and it's irrelevant and why am I looking at it when it's just pure spin and 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 stuff I don't want. Whereas I think the more successful is going to be getting closer to that journalism, which is why I think content marketing and journalism mm. in terms of an education mm. rubric mm. needs to come together. So that's yeah. my, my sense of it. No, no, I, 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 I agree with you. Um, I guess the issue here is is and it's a it's a very real one is is about disclosure and like you say about transparency. Yep. So yes, I guess um, you know sections of the community are more more educated. However, yeah, but I but I know, it, it's disclosure when it it's is, when it's content marketing on behalf of a brand yeah. in a traditional media environment environment That's or right. you know BuzzFeed makes most yeah. of their money yeah. out of content marketing. Yeah. Vice Media makes yeah. most of their money from content marketing. Yeah. Upworthy and all of well, these other... Well, even The Guardian other... put out well, the Guardian that makes 10%, it said, of, of its um, income f- yeah. through native advertising and yeah. other things. But a lot of content marketing is not on those platforms. No. It's on the owned platforms of That's the organisations, right. particularly in the public sector. That's exactly right. Where they're not... And I know in the public sector there's a, an aversion to native advertising because it's, yeah. the, the, you know, government agencies, public sector organisations do not want to be in any way associated with something that is blurry because that's when everyone gets into trouble. If, yes. in fact, hang on, that's coming from, the, you know, that looks like journalism but it's actually come from the department of whoever, Yes, that's going to create enormous amounts of problems. So I'm not sure the governments will go close to native advertising for a long time or public sector or public sector organisations might, but certainly government will be very wary of it. 
Sure, but ultimately, in, in, in terms of publishing on those platforms, I think yes. on their own plat, I think on their their own platforms is where there's a huge opportunity for government to communicate much more clearly, much more effectively to understand. You know, there's so much good that goes on in the public sector that of we course. never hear about that it's locked up, and really, what you know, our mission, certainly the mission here at Content Group, is to put in place a process, this methodology we're talking about, to enable communicators in the public sector to be able to go, right, so actually we can tell our story that's got integrity, that's straightforward, because what have they got to hide? Generally they don't. They do so much great things. We've really just got to give them the tools so they can. Look, absolutely. And much of that work, um, whether it's labelled content marketing or not, the reality is that much of that work will be almost identical to yeah. much journalism that's out there today. Correct. Because mm. if it's informative and balanced um, and well-researched and well-put together uh, as quality information, well, it may well, you know, if it was put on the public broadcaster or wherever it was, um, it may well just pass as 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 regular good quality sure. journalism. As it, as it should. Yeah, as it should. Um, look, this is... And this is one of the issues, you know, um, because... Who, who provides, you know, the, this whole shift um, it is all about identity, about professional identity. Yeah. You know, and these are very sensitive areas. People strongly identify with, you know, the traditional identity of, of, the, of the news journalist, of, of, you know, of the watchdog. Yes. It is a hugely strong, you know. Yes. I guess it's a stereotype, but it is, it's, it's so no, ingrained. It's very powerful, though. Very powerful. You know, and I think and anyone the, who has worked as a news journalist sure. and has a commitment to public sector journalism or public service journalism, I should say, um, you know, and really, you know, I mean, the role of journalism in society in, in a democracy is is central. Um, but there are many, many forms of journalism. And there is not just one journalism. And it's a big debate in the journalism community. There was a woman called Barbie Zelazer a couple of years ago who, who wrote a very provocative article about this and it spoke, sparked a lot of debate. And... You know, there is a broader acceptance and understanding that as educators as well, we can't just teach one form of journalism. There are other forms of journalism. Um, and, and you know, sadly, even though we're in the, the, in the nation's capital, we, very few of our students are actually interested in politics. Mm. So, you know, they are interested. That how are they, their, their introduction to journalism is through social media, is actually through lifestyle journalism and stuff that is easily shared. Much mm. of it is, in fact, content marketing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so these these lines, these divisions, um, these traditional uh, you know traditional news journalism is only one brand you know one type of journalism, and our students know that. Um, and once when they come into our degrees, they're keen to get into longer form, more feature writing, all the rest of it. They're actually not very interested in news standard you know right. traditional news journalism that is so easily identifiable as traditional journalism. But it isn't ultimately it's futile any sort of resistance to this. Yes, mm -hmm. I think you know that around those ethical points of mm -hmm. where it comes from and identifying and all the rest of it. But ultimately you know you can't stop the world spinning. No, you, you know can't. it's this is happening this is happening in a big way. This is happening fast. And really, isn't it time to really, I think, do what you're doing is to recognise that and move, but bring the journalism ethics and yes. the skills with yes, you. So as you say, well, hang on, if you're going to tell a story, tell it this way, because yeah. this is the way that you'll get your audience's interest. Well, look, no matter what story you're telling, it's got to be factual. You know, it's got to, it's got to be accurate, for God's sake. Um, even in PR, you know, I have worked, I have a background um, in, well, my original 
background is in in public broadcasting at the ABC, yes, David, yes, um, yes. As, a, as a as a news and current affairs journalist. Yeah, yeah, me as well. <laughs> um, but then I I was always interested in politics, and then I did do a stint as a political media advisor. So I've been to the dark side, and then I came back. Gosh. I returned to journalism. I survived oh, and went dear. back to be, in fact, a better journalist than mm. I was before. I think um, because I actually understood. Um, the other side better, and um, and I think that it, uh, it it improved my journalistic practices. And um, anyway, but you can read my PhD to find out more about that. And and and, and <laughs> we will put we will put a link in that to the show notes. But just quickly on that, mm. because a lot of our listeners are people who work in the public sector, and that that they live between that world of you know the the media advisor mm. and the. And working in the department, and yes. they're really, you know, yeah. service providers to those mm. ministerial offices. Mm. Mm. And it's 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 a constant discussion that I have mm. with people: is that oh, the minister's office is asking us to do yeah. that, or this, yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah. the latest brain snap that someone's oh, had, yeah. or here's a great idea, and now we're forced to do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you have any? Just quick. This is a little bit to the tangential. Yeah, it, it is a bit, but. It's important. What advice would you have to people who work in public sector, say government mm. organisations when they're working with ministers, if they want to try to launch some of these content marketing programs that yeah. I describe as the base beat yeah. of the government's yeah. narrative? Yeah, 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 you yeah. will have the noise yeah. and, you know, the lead electric guitar solo of the, you know, the battle with the media. But underneath it, this is where content marketing can be continuing to do the explaining. Here it goes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, etc. But how do they convince media advisors that this is in fact of benefit to the media advisor rather than we need more sport talking points or we need another media opportunity or we need something else? God, is it neither or? I, um, it sounds to me like it's a staffing issue. I would think that if there's still debate in the public service um, communications, um, you know, Offices in government that content marketing um, is a worthwhile thing, then I, that just utterly surprises me. Mm. Um, because if they still think that the press release is going to do it or this standard kind of, well, then forget it. I mean, it's time to really rethink their overall strategy. Well, I um, think you would be amazed at the level of, but because again, it's it's the challenge between the the ministerial office. Yeah. And the department. Now, the ministerial yeah. officer sits at the top of the pyramid sure. and if they are ordering up yeah. more talking points, yeah, more yeah, media yeah, releases yeah, yeah, and more yeah, everything yeah. else, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so there's an education that needs to be done at both places. Look, there's a couple of, you know, couple of issues and I hope I can hold on to them all and, and express them. But, okay, so obviously, you know, there's this tradition and certainly in Australia, um, I don't know if it's decreased in the UK and wherever else you might be listening with, it's the same in the States, but certainly here in Australia, there has been this trend of greater and greater control of the message coming out of the ministerial, so out of the, the executive government, okay, so out of ministerial offices controlling yeah. uh, what messages are delivered by, the you know, the public service communicators within the departments. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, when I was a you know, press secretary or ministerial advisor, you know, um, at, at state government level and, you know, more than 10 years ago now, we did have this kind of, you know, arbitrary divide uh, between what was sort of politics uh, and policy we got to talk about, but the sort of the day-to-day the, the -day grind of service delivery and all of those sorts of things um, was handled by the department. Um, and that, that was the rough divide. Of course, there were times when that blurred. Um, and that seemed to me to be quite a, a sensible divide. Um, but I know that the control has got more and more and that even even mundane media requests about something quite administrative often is deferred, you know, or run past the Minister's office for approval before that. I mean, it's... Oh, I, I, it, it, 
there's this crazy notion out there that you can control the media. And and um, all I can say, as someone who burnt out completely as a me- media advisor, I say to you, give it up because you will just go grey very early and burn out and you can't control what they say in the end anyway. Um, and see, my, my point is balance. then is also... <laughs> it's true. There, there's no question the media is very important, still very influential in those... Uh, in those realms of, of government, and I think ministers in particular look to the media more so. But there is this opportunity to activate of your course, own of media organisation that can be telling your no, story they, from your point of, of view. Of course they should be, and they should be asking their, their comms people in the department to be making them videos about the best programs, go into that school and yeah. shoot the fact that now there's you know more kids finished Year 12 or yeah. Indigenous um, enrolment has gone up or, mm. gee, we topped... I mean, they should be going to those schools so that the, the ministers can use those examples and that they should be running on the website. Um, mm. You know, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. It's a no-brainer and they should be doing it. <laughs> because, well, the minister's offices are to an extent doing that themselves, but through social media. You know, they're not doing so much, you know, fully packaged, high-quality um, video stories, etc. but they certainly are, you know, gone into being their own publishers out of the minister's offices and yeah. out of, you know, Polly's offices full stop, you know, running their own social media channels. Um, so, yeah, but, but generally so awful, so <laughs> self-interested, you know. Here's yes, me somewhere yes. and here I am and guess what? I'm here I again know, with somebody. I know. It's like Absolutely. terrible. It's not no. audience citizen focused. It's but that's the thing about social media. It's oh. the best form of self-promotion. I mean, it is a great advertising tool, isn't it? Oh. But Every absolutely. time I see a politician, a photo of one, <laughs> doing something completely meaningless, like send me something that's going to help me. This yes. is, and this is where yes, good content marketing absolutely. lives. Yeah, you've got absolutely. to get into that design thinking mode of, well, what do the audience actually want? Yes, Not that's so much. right. Here's me anyway, cutting a ribbon. All funny. All no, funny no, stuff. Good, now, listen, we digress. It, it, but how did journalism educate us? Yes. <laughs> were they receptive and are they receptive to the changes that we've made? Yeah. That was the second that, part of your question. It you was. asked about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Good question. Difficult one to answer. In response to this kind of address that I gave at the conference um, about what I called the journal, journalism educator's dilemma about incorporating content marketing in the journalism um, curriculum. Um, look, to be honest, there wasn't much... It, there was a bit of silence, to be honest. Um, and I was the first speaker. There were a couple of speakers after me, one from a... Um, uh, two others about content marketing. They were practitioners in that field. One was from a press regulator. Anyway, look, I have to say, it's such a challenging topic... The silence came, I think, because everyone was really thinking hard about what they'd been listening to. Right. I think they find it very challenging, but they're thinking about it. Yeah. And so the silence at the end of it, um, I actually think they were really cogitating. You know, like they're actually thinking, oh, okay, we've really got to think about this. Yeah. Um, I think. And it, that's fair enough. And that's I, great. I, I, it, I had yeah. a couple of people you know, genuinely, you know, kind of walked past me without making any eye contact who I think were unhappy with what I said. Yeah. I only had three people out of a room of 150 actually come directly up to me and say that they thought what I had to say was interesting. And one one person was a practitioner yeah. who had works as a journalist and as a, as a as freelancer. A, yeah. And he said, you're right on the money. Yeah. So, and this is the thing that I guess I really am talking from a practitioner's perspective, yes. not from a theoretical or idealistic Correct. perspective. And, and all I can say is that people on the ground, practitioners who have worked in traditional journalism and who have then crossed, you know, 
gone to the other side or crossed that barrier into other form, professional comms roles in PR or content marketing, whatever it may be, they are able to juggle these roles. Mm-hmm. They do know the difference. They can perform each role ethically. But my job as an educator is to make sure that my students understand which hat they're wearing and understand conflict of interest and how to manage that, you know, these, and, and to actually bolster that content within the degree. Sure. Because it's becoming more pressing. And I think it's fantastic. And I, certainly it's those skills, really good skills, and certainly, you know, increasingly the, the, you know, the data analysis distribution, you know, getting content out, moving, you know, that's also very important. And I know that we're going to get to that as we continue to develop this degree out at the University of Canberra. But just quickly before we finish, how's it been uh, received? Well, look, um, from industry, fantastic. I guess the thing is, you know, the degree, you know, journalism, content marketing, we've got another one, journalism... um, uh, digital campaigning yeah. and another one, and journalism, creative writing. Yeah, we're but not such, no, no, I know you're not. But <laughs> anyway, it's not you know. And we also still have our core. Yes, I, I know journalism. I know David, David, the, the you know the relentless promoter of content marketing. But look, um, can I say we still have our our ordinary run of the mill traditional journal bachelor of journalism. You know, yeah. without any plus, without any additives. Okay. But seriously, how's the content marketing one going? No, have, have good. people signed up? Yes, people Good. are signing up. Um, firm Smart. figures, um, well, it's a, you know, the year starts in a week's time Good. and people are still enrolling. But now our figures are up from last year for sure. Excellent. Uh, so that is very, very encouraging. No, the students know it's the right thing. Yeah. Okay? Employers know it's the right thing. They look at the label, the degree label, journalism, content marketing, they know what they're buying. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> they go, oh, great. And actually anyone, whether it's mainstream media or a content marketing company or whoever, yeah. They want people who can market yes. because we're all brands, whether I like it or not. <laughs> Every journalist is a brand. Every, you know, we have to market ourselves. We have to market our work. No matter who you work for, we need to have these skills. And I do appreciate that my colleagues in academia, we're uncomfortable with this. Yep. It is the reality and, and we have to accept it actually. Well, congratulations on being a pioneer, being the first. And as they say... You know, you don't want to be too much of a settler because the settlers end up with the arrows in their backs. But I think you're on safe ground on this time, on this one. I think this is an absolute winner. And I look forward to collaborating with the university as we continue to build out the degree because we really do want to get the industry involved. We want to get everybody involved so as that we can ensure that the, the students as they're coming out are fit for purpose, who are ready to come and work in a public sector organisation or a not-for-profit or an NGO. And they do have these marvellous journalism skills. And for me, I think it's the most exciting time because trying to get in to be a journalist years ago, there are only a few spots. That's right. Well, now everyone can do it. That's so right. it's it's been this broken open. So it's such an exciting time for, for those of us involved. Yeah. There's lots of more things I think we can talk about, <laughs> and I will get you back um, on the podcast in the in the weeks ahead. We've got a fantastic number of guests coming up, great. Um, which is great. And uh, I really appreciate you coming in today and a, a, a great discussion. And thanks and for your support with our degree, David. Yeah, no, it's I'm great. I'm I, I just think it's such a good thing, and I'm great. I'm very proud that it's it, that I'm from Canberra, that it's a Canberra degree, and you know I look forward to taking it to the world, you know, and really promoting the fact that it's happening here and you never know, we could have people coming from all over the world to come and study in this beautiful city of ours. So oh, I feel exhausted already. <laughs> that's for another time. But listen, thanks everyone for your time.
time again. A uh, couple of minutes over. Sorry about that if you're on your walk to work or your commute or anything else. Um, but listen, really appreciate the support. The numbers are great and we'll continue to find the best stories about content marketing in the public sector in the weeks ahead. So please tune in. And if you do like the show, please tell somebody else about it. And if you would like to rate the show, I know on a lot of other podcasts, I've never asked for this before, but if you have been listening for a while, if you can whip across to iTunes, leave a bit of a review, it helps people to discover the show. So if you could do that, that would be great. I really appreciate it. And I'll speak to you next week. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.